Welcome to the Bonfire. I am your host, Morgan, aka Bon Diesel, and this is a podcast about video game news, reviews, rumors, and speculation. This week, I'll be covering the Bonnie Awards, reflecting on 2023, and not much more because it was a slow week for gaming news. A few things before we get started. On YouTube, please subscribe to the channel, hit the like button, and comment down below. Subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast platform, and leave a review on Spotify or iTunes if you would. A special thank you to all of the patrons and YouTube members, including Hassan, YouTubes, Neuronix, PK, Cage Nephilim, and Horseman. If you're interested in supporting this podcast for as little as $2 a month, please check out patreon.com slash bonddiesel, become a member on YouTube, or subscribe over on Twitch. Please use your Prime sub on me if you don't use it on anyone else. Gaming news. The Bonnie Game Awards 2023, the most heralded and definitely carefully planned out video game podcast awards, you know, thought about this year. Not really. But this year has made me want to do something big next year and to prepare way ahead of time to do some polling and maybe bring on some guests and things like that. So hang with me this year. I'll talk about some of my favorite games of the year in some specific categories, uh, including game of the year, where I'll list my top three and uh, we'll go from there. So for my most anticipated game, uh, mostly talking about 2024, I'm obviously excited for the next Mass Effect and the Division 3, and but those games are probably like four or five years away. My games I'm the most excited for in 2024, I tried to pick one, I can't, sorry. Uh, Sinuous Saga and Star Wars Outlaws are probably my two biggest ones. I'm very curious about Dragon Age Dreadwolf. I'm not a huge Dragon Age fan, but I am curious to play a Bioware game in 2024. Uh, If anything, just to see where they're at, you know, and for them to hopefully have a chance to kind of beat back some of the narrative that's really been pretty awful about them in recent years. Uh, So yeah, and then Sinuous Saga, I love the first game. Sinuous Sacrifice is amazing, uh, and I'm really excited to see what Ninja Theory, the developer, does with a big fat budget. Basically, it seems like unlimited time to make this game and um, and resources that they probably didn't have access to before. Uh, the previews of this game so far, at the very least, it looks like it's going to be a graphical showcase for the Xbox. Um, I have no doubt that the narrative and the story is going to be amazing. The biggest question mark is the gameplay and the combat, especially Um, I think the combat in the first game is fine. It's not revolutionary, but I think it's satisfying. Um, And I think the way that they weave some narrative bits into the combat makes it even better. Uh, But it would be great if this time they make a game where it's like, yeah, Sinua Saga, graphics, the best. Story, amazing. Gameplay, lots of fun. You know, I enjoyed my time between the story bits. That would be a good thing. Star Wars Outlaws is coming from who I think is the best Ubisoft studio, which is massive. They made Division 1 and 2. They made the Avatar game. They're working on Star Wars. And we know that they're going to be having a Division 3 
one day. That's probably um, a little ways off, but we will get there when we get there. Um, I think from what I've heard and some rumors and stuff going around, this is going to be kind of a game for Mass Effect fans. It sounds like that there may be some choices in there. There may be some kind of branching uh, narratives and things like that. Um, if they can bring the game feel and the amazing graphics, you know, from the division two and from avatar and really continue to push that snowdrop engine forward and, you know, plop a game down in the middle of this really deep, um, but kind of sometimes not well cared for star Wars franchise. Um, I, I just, I really think this will be a chance for massive to, to really put their name on, you know, a lot of people's radars. And more than that, if the type of game they're making that I've heard of is is real, I would love for it to influence what they would do with the Division 3. I know that the, the Division 3 will probably be another looter shooter, whatever. But it would be great if maybe it doesn't just have to be a Destiny wannabe and instead can maybe take that formula and go its own direction with it, um, which I think they've kind of struggled to do in the last two games. So... We'll see, but I'm very excited for those two games. Um, the toughest part about 2024, and I'll talk about this more later, is that there's just not a lot of certainty about 2024. So when it comes to most anticipated game, you know, everyone's going to have their own. When it comes to all of the uh, these awards in the comments of the YouTube video or just on my social media uh, or in the Discord, please come and tell me what your winners of these categories would be. Surprise of the year for me was Baldur's Gate 3. I think that's going to be most people's if you do that category. I'm not into like medieval aesthetic games. I'm not into high fantasy. I'm not into Dungeons and Dragons. I hate turn-based combat. And I loved Baldur's Gate 3. Um, Baldur's Gate 3, everything about it I shouldn't like. Everything about Baldur's Gate 3 I shouldn't like. And I still don't like. Um, since Baldur's Gate 3 came out, I tried. I checked out some other turn-based games. And I checked out some other similar games. I don't like them. I don't like this genre. I don't like the kind of game Baldur's Gate 3 is. But Baldur's Gate 3 is so good that it, it, it still becomes one of my favorite games ever. Even though everything about it I don't like. That's why it's my surprise of the year. Narrative of the year, I'm I'm gonna go against some of my better judgment. There's like four games I could put here because I I had a lot of fun with story this year, but I'm gonna put Jedi Survivor. Jedi Survivor was so fun. Um, it was it was a fun game, but the narrative really pulled me in, and and I'm so excited and kind of terrified about the third game they're currently making. I have some theories in my head about where. Cal Kestis' story can go because you have to remember this game takes place in a uh, in a moment that the movies have gone past, right? So there may be a reason we've never seen Cal Kestis in any of the other properties. Now the real reason is because he's a new character to the franchise that they've added. But there's been plenty of opportunities since the first game came out to add him in and they haven't. And the actor literally looks like him and he's a professional actor. Like he can play himself. The voice actor can. So I have some theories about what's going to happen in the third game uh, for Jedi survivor. 
I'm terrified for what that if, if any of it comes true, even though it would be a really great arc for him. Um, so we'll just have to wait and see. But yeah, the narrative, the relationship between him and everyone else in the game, um, the, the way they developed characters, the way that you know they take characters away and they bring characters to us and just all of the things that happen and even like the cliffhanger or where they leave us at the end of the game. Just amazing. I really, really, really enjoyed it. What I really liked about it is that even the bad guys seemed reasonable in their own headspace. And, and I like when bad, when antagonists are like that. I hate when antagonists are just bad guys. Like, I'm, just, I'm bad. That's the only reason I exist. I love when antagonists, if you were in their own head, you would feel like they were right. And I felt like uh, Jedi Survivor did a good job with that, with all of the antagonists, um, including some of the surprising ones. So, narrative of the year for me, Jedi Survivor. Game of the year. So, I'm just going to do a top three. Um, if I was maybe not so tired, I'd maybe do more. But I'm going to start with number three. And my number three game of the year uh, in third place is Starfield. Um, this is going to be a bit controversial for some. Uh, I made a video a couple weeks ago where I tried to basically offer a counter narrative to a lot of the, in my opinion, kind of circle jerky conversations going on around Starfield that seem to be kind of like a self-fulfilling prophecy. Um, I, as I did in my video, if you didn't like Starfield, that's fine. I get it. Um, there, if you look at the notebook, so I took a few days off when Starfield came out. I did it for multiple reasons, but part of it was to play Starfield. I had a notebook ready. I was going to do a big review, which I did eventually. And if you look at my notebook, the first like two pages, so for the first like three or four hours of the game, all negative stuff. Almost everything is negative. I kind of didn't like Starfield for the first four or five hours. Then I turned a corner. I got into some stuff I really liked. I did some things I loved. I think, and I talked about it in this other video, I highly suggest you check it out. I, I played the right missions in the right order, I think, to give myself the optimal experience for Starfield. And I didn't play some of the stuff until I finished the game. And then I did some stuff I really didn't like. And had I played those things during my initial playthrough, like say first, I wouldn't have liked Starfield. That said, one of the biggest bummers for me is how I've seen people like say like, yeah, I played a little bit of it and it just didn't grab me or it was boring or I didn't like the characters or whatever. All of those things are fair. You know, everyone has their own uh, subjective opinion, right? Um, that's just tough for me because I think the main story is really cool. I think uh, at least a couple of the side stories, especially one of the big main side quest, is as good as the main quest. Is as good as any main quest in any game. So good. And then there's also so many small little things you can find on the side. Um, I know that things like the planet exploration, you know, doesn't grab everyone. I know that you know there's lots of elements about the game that feel like a decade old. Bethesda definitely messed up by not updating their formula enough, right? But within those issues, there's still so much to find. I think the romance, at least the one I did with Sarah's character, was awesome. And I really love the interactions you can have with a romance partner. 
Uh, I understand that the animations aren't up to snuff. I actually think the voice acting is perfectly fine. Um, I understand that some of the stuff is not as good as it could have been or as it should be, but there's still stuff to get there. Uh, and one of the prime examples I would give is after I had finished most of the main stuff, I just started exploring and I ended up not really loving it. I, I think once you've explored a few planets, you've kind of explored them all, but I did find this random system in this random planet and this random moon and this like garage, like mining setup on my, on that moon. And I went down into the basement and there were like five dead, you know, explorers or mechanics or whatever they were. And I looked in the, at the inventory of one of them and there was a voice log. I didn't think much of it, picked it up, explored a little bit. And I said, Hey, I'll listen to that, whatever. Um, so I, I turn it on. I proceeded to listen to that same voice log like 10 more times. And then I recorded a video and put it on my YouTube of that recording because it's one of my favorite voice acting performances I've ever heard in a game. It's some of my favorite writing I've ever heard or seen in a game. And it it's definitely a personal bias. Like some of the things talked about in this voice calm, this voice log are very personal to me um, and, and, th and, and a thing that I feel uh, that, that really hit me in, in, in my soul, right? And even if it doesn't do it for you, you have to understand that for someone like me, there were moments in the main story, in the side stories, in the romance with Sarah, finding voice logs like this, that hit me deep and that made me tear up and that made my goosebumps pop up. And so if you didn't like the game, that's fine. But just realize that there's people out there like me who I would argue aren't stupid or have bad gaming takes or whatever, who felt something from that game. And just because you didn't doesn't mean that their experience was wrong or that they're fanboys or whatever. It just means that they played the thing that meant something to them and, it, and it's not an attack on you. Now, I've been probably overly defensive about my take on Starfield and stuff like that. Uh, my bad. You know, whatever. I guess I'll just always be on the side of people being positive or constructive as opposed to the people, I think, who are being negative and pessimistic. And at some point, like there's some people with Starfield who apparently don't like it, but talk about it more than they talk about anything else. And that's weird to me. You can have criticisms. You can, you know, all of that stuff. But there comes a point where you're talking about something and you're bringing it up with no prompt for no real reason. And, and I think that's happened with Starfield for some reason. I don't know if it's the Xbox exclusivity. I don't know that it's not the 11 out of 10 game that people w wanted. But I don't know why they expected that from Bethesda because they don't really make games like that. I, I don't know. I don't know where this is coming from, but I definitely think it's impacted the conversation on Starfield. I think it's painted it in a light that it doesn't deserve. Um, I, I think that the reviews and stuff on, on Steam and all of that, it's hard to argue against numbers. I also think there's an argument to be made that there is a circle jerk or whatever you want to call it, where like I've literally seen people who like the game, played it for hundreds of hours, 
And then I think saw so much negativity towards it, felt like embarrassed or felt weird about liking it and changed their mind and became, and suddenly started to not like it anymore. Um, maybe it was because they wanted a thousand hours out of it and they didn't get that. And then they changed their mind. That's fine. I think that's a weird thing to expect from any game, even a Bethesda game, but that's fine. Starfield just got weird vibes around it. I'll close my number three, which I'll, is probably the most I'll talk about any of these, which is saying that if you just give Starfield a chance and really give it a chance, um, I've seen multiple people talk about it where I can tell they played it like two hours and then just stopped and they probably don't like shooter games and they probably don't like first person games and they probably don't like, you know, some of the failings of the game and they didn't let them and they never let themselves get into it. Just try. That's all I'm going to say. So Starfield, my number three on my top three games of the year. Number two is Alan Wake 2. Alan Wake 2 was a pretty big surprise for me. I never played the first game or the remaster or the like DLC or whatever. I think it was a standalone DLC. And honestly, I never really had much interest in it. Um, before this game came out, I did kind of dive into the stories of the original game and trying to kind of catch up and all that. It is kind of wild for a game to get a sequel like 13 years later. And, um, and it just looked interesting, the second game. And it came out. And I still haven't beat it, full disclosure. I'm really close. I'm at the, I did all of Alan's stuff and I'm in the middle of doing the other person's uh, sagas uh, part. Uh, I think I'm towards the end of hers. There's just a combination of the graphics, the gameplay, which I do enjoy. Some people don't. The voice acting, the performances, everything there is just wildly good. The cinematics. The, just the story being told in the really weird and unique way it's being told. And then just the wacky shit. There's a whole level that's like no level you'll ever play in a game. If you want a slight spoiler, watch the Game Awards. And like, that's so cool. Like, that's so awesome. Um, and the things that they, Remedy, the developer, are willing to do just to be weird. Um, I don't know if it's because I think they're Finnish. They're from Finland. So maybe there's just kind of a different culture or a different outlook on things. Definitely seems like there is. But something about it is just weird and unique and different. And it does all of the things you expect games to do. And it does them really well. It does them so good. And then it does stuff that you don't expect games to do. And that's what kind of puts it over the edge for me. So even though I didn't talk about it nearly as much as my third pick... Uh, Alan Wake 2 grabs my second spot. It's a game. Um, all three of these are games that I would suggest to basically everyone. Maybe Starfield a little bit less so. But Alan Wake 2 is even if you aren't into survival games or horror games or, or everything that this game is. It's kind of like when I talked about Baldur's Gate 3. It's not really my genre, but it's so good. I still enjoyed it. And that's how I feel about Alan Wake 2. And number one, my game of the year for 2023 is Baldur's Gate 3. If you pay attention to my social media and stuff, this shouldn't be a surprise. I've been pretty vocal about this. I've actually bounced around a little bit. Alan Wake 2 was kind of flirting with number one. I think it gets a little less impressive towards the end, or at least where I'm at, but it's still amazing. It's still a 9.5 out of 10, right? Which is really, really good. 
But Baldur's Gate 3, as I spoke about before, just surprised me so much. And it just does some stuff so well. And much like Starfield to a point, my first playthrough of the game had so many really good experiences that I could have missed. Um, especially doing a romance with Shadowheart, where there's so many moments where like those writers just know how to write lines that just make you feel good. Like like in that romance, like she'll just say so many things or things will come up and just the way that they're said, you just kind of go like, Oh, thank you. <laughs> like, even though you know it's just a game, these are fictional characters, they're not even talking to you, they're talking to your you know, your player character in the game. Trust me, I'm not crossing those boundaries. I'm not one of those weirdos, but they just, the writing in that game is so good that even though I still don't like the turn-based combat, I've gotten better at it, so I enjoy it more. I still don't like it. I'm willing to trudge through all of that turn-based content for the interactions, the interactions with enemies, voice interactions, with allies, with random people, with quest givers, with everyone in the, the number of possibilities the different roads you can go down there's just it, there's something special about it and i just really i just really like it and i am really happy that Baldur's gate 3 exists um, i don't think i'm ever gonna give a crap about another game like Baldur's gate 3 um, i've tried to play like i said before some other turn-based games still hate them there's just something special about Baldur's Gate 3 and I could go on for an hour about it and you know and then she's like the second playthrough I romance Lazelle and I hated her character in my first playthrough and then I f did all of her stuff and there's a moment in the third act you have this scene with her and it's not sexy it's not all of that she says stuff in the delivery of it by the voice actress and the writing by the writers it's just so good and because you don't really like her character at the beginning you know her journey and her and what leads to her saying the things that she says to your character if you choose the right things it's just so meaningful and so like i said before i don't particularly love the gameplay of Baldur's gate 3 but the other things are so good I tolerate them and I even force myself to enjoy them. That's why it's my number one game of the year. That's why Baldur's Gate 3 is probably one of the best games of the decade and maybe one of the best games ever made. Um, it needs to be in that conversation. A part of that is, is the unexpected success, but not really. I think that's cheapening what they did with Baldur's Gate 3. I think it can get its credit where it's due purely from the product they put out and that they continue to work on and improve and hopefully do like a definitive edition with even more content. They, they just did a very good job with start. Oh, no, I almost messed up. I was looking at the text and messed myself up. They just did an extremely good job with Baldur's Gate three and it deserves all of the accolades it's getting and it deserves more than 30 seconds. Uh, on the Game Awards because Jeff Keighley is a corpo D-bag, but I won't get on that train again. So congrats to Larian, congrats to the entire team that worked on Baldur's Gate 3. They uh, deserve everything they're getting, and for what it's worth, they're getting the accolades from me as well.
Now, people mentioned all kinds of games for their games of the year, um, and I've seen it all over the internet. So even in our Discord, people were talking about it. I saw people talking about like Cyberpunk uh, 2077, Phantom Liberty, and that 2.0 update is kind of a combined game of the year for them, which is fair. Um, Final Fantasy 16, uh, Octopath Traveler 2, Sea of Stars. Um, one that popped up a lot was Remnant 2, which was really interesting. So that was on Game Pass, and I actually recently gave it a go. I get it. It's just not my kind of game. Um, I played the first one quite a bit, actually, and it was fine. I just couldn't get really into it, and I'm in a similar boat with Remnant 2, but I recognize. I see it. I see why it's so good and why people love it. Uh, as well as a bunch of other games, um, especially when it comes to like uh, indie games and stuff like that. So, you know, kind of moving on from the Bonnie Game Awards. Thank you so much for checking that out. Uh, we'll get into my thoughts about 2023 in general. Um, there were so many great games, and, and that's very cool. Uh, that's been discussed endlessly, even here in this, you know, there were like seven games this year that I think would have been game of the year in most other years. Going all the way back to games like Armored Core 6, uh, the Dead Space remake, Final, uh, the Resident Evil 4 remake, Final Fantasy 16. Um, I'm even forgetting games I played that I really, really liked. Um, it was just one of those years, right? Like, it's crazy. Uh, but th that's really, really cool. What's not really, really cool is how it's been really tainted by layoffs and by hacks and leaks and things like that. And um, I believe the last count was over 10,000 known game industry jobs were laid off this year. Um, and that's pretty tough. I don't know what that is compared to other industries or similarly sized industries. I have no idea. Maybe it's not that bad, but it doesn't look good. And my biggest concern about it is how if you're 18 years old and you're either you know, developing or learning how to code or developing games in the Unity engine or Unreal Engine 5, or you're trying to learn, um, you're, you're getting in Blender and you're learning how to model and stuff like that. And you're looking at, I want to be a game dev one day. I want to work at this company or that company or start my own. And you see what's happening in the game industry right now. It's probably hard for people to be like, Ooh, just kidding. I'm going to go work in another part of the tech industry and make more money and have less of a chance of being laid off, even though that's kind of a tech industry problem in general. But you know, anyways, it's, it's been a weird year because it's been one of the best game years ever. It's been one of the worst years to be a game dev ever. And it's big and small, you know, Microsoft, Sony have laid people off. Uh, all the way down to little indie studios have just shut down. You've got the Embracer Group, which is this big publisher who bought a hilarious number of studios and so much IP, like really good IP, and has just squandered it. I don't think has released a good game all year as far as you know I can remember from any of their studios. I think they have even more studios than like Xbox at this point. Uh, and they're shutting their studios down. They're doing layoffs. They're, you know, they're you know, desperately trying to find funding from foreign investors just to keep their payroll up, which apparently they recently did. So maybe that stops the bleeding for a while, but they still have to put out games to start making money. So you've got companies like Embracer Group uh, who are just really nasty. Um, and with them, it's almost understandable, even though it's their fault. 
But then you've got companies like Microsoft and like Epic and even Sony and stuff like who are doing layoffs in years where they're making hilarious amounts of money where you start to realize like, oh, it doesn't matter if a game or a company or a dev or studio is profitable. It matters how good it did compared to what they told their investors. And if it wasn't as good as they told their investors, it's bad. Even if a game made twice as much as it cost to make it right. And we're in most industries that would be the greatest thing ever where there's small margins normally. Right. So 2023 has been interesting as a gamer, as someone who plays games and streams and does this podcast and, and does all the things that I do. It's been a great year. There's been so much to talk about. It's been great. But if I was someone who was making this product that I really, really enjoy and appreciate, it wouldn't feel so great. And I really hope that that turns around in 2024. If I have to be totally honest, I'm going to say it's probably not. Hopefully most of these people, if they're deciding to stay in the industry, which I bet a bunch aren't, but if they do, I hope they've mostly all found jobs. I hope that maybe they've jumped on the new studios or they've started their own things or whatever. Not to be a bummer, but we'll see. I think 2024 is going to be kind of slow. Um, it, um, you know, we basically don't know about anything coming from Sony. Um, we have some inclinations like games that will probably be coming from Microsoft. We do have, I believe we have a, a 2024 date on Sinuous Saga, but we don't know about anything else. We don't know if like Stay of Decay, I think is it three is coming out. We don't know, you know about anything else. We have no concrete dates on anything. And then who knows what Nintendo's doing, right? Um, I think 2023 was kind of a culmination of some devs who were slowly and steadily working even through COVID. And I think it was also a result of a bunch of games coming out that would have come out a year, two, three years ago, like Starfield um, coming out this year. And they just all ended up jamming themselves into the same year. So it was like games that got delayed because of COVID and then games that came out when they were supposed to. And that turned into like 30 really good games, arguably more. And uh, I don't think that's going to happen again next year. If anything, I'm expecting that by the end of next year, you're going to have at least some probably Sony fans, maybe Microsoft fans being like, man, where were the games this year? Um, because Sony, like they're going to have the Final Fantasy remake, Final Fantasy seven remake, but that's a, like a second party. It's not really, it, it's an, it's a exclusive game, but it's not first party. We know Wolverine's not coming out next year. And that was really the only game I saw people guessing was going to come out next year. You have The Last of Us 2, uh, Last of Us Part 2 remaster coming out, which is a joke. Um, it's just, you know, I won't get into that again, but that's not a release. They very likely have something coming from one of their studios. They have too many studios to not have anything, but it's probably not going to be a game of the caliber of a Horizon or a Last of Us or a God of War, right? So... We'll have to wait and see. The honest truth is about Sony is that they'll be fine. Um, they'll probably start getting some more pressure from their fans and stuff like that about, hey, where's the games? You know, this is kind of weird. In 2023, we basically just had Spider-Man 3, obviously Final Fantasy 16. Again, that was a second party game or whatever you want to call it. Um, so I, I think you'll start to see some people be kind of like, this is kind of weird. Uh, but uh, if they do a pro console, if they do some more remasters, or if they do some good third-party deals, 
maybe no one will care. Um, I expect that Xbox will have an okay year next year. Uh, if Sinuous Saga hits, if they're able to continue improving like the Halo Infinite multiplayer and maybe even though doubtfully putting out some stuff for that, maybe we hear about a Gears of War project. Maybe we hear about, you know, like I said before, Stay of the K3 or, you know, any of these other games that are supposedly in development, Indiana Jones uh, and, and, and so on and so forth. Uh, supposedly a Mandalorian game coming from id, I believe, which would be pretty cool. I'm not going to lie. That sounds like a pretty awesome combination, but we'll have to wait and see. So there's a very good chance that everyone could be a little frustrated in 2024, especially after the blockbuster year that 2023 was. Now, not to forget our Nintendo homies, they're probably getting a new console next year. Um, I haven't owned a Nintendo console since I think my Game Boy Color. So admittedly, I've been out of the loop a bit, but I do plan on buying their next console and hopefully they do the right thing and have full backwards compatibility uh, because there's a ton of games on the Switch I missed uh, that I obviously really need to play, uh, but I would prefer to play them on a new system that will actually run them well because I'm not playing on nine-year-old outdated mobile hardware, even though I fear that this next Switch is gonna be like four-year-old outdated mobile hardware, but we'll see. We'll try to have some faith. On to news, there really wasn't much this week. Um, the Grand Theft Auto V source code that was hacked and stolen in 2022 uh, was revealed or has been getting released. Uh, the main things that have come from it uh, it was that there were eight DLCs at one time or another planned for Grand Theft Auto V, like single-player DLCs, and this may have even included a return to Liberty City, the Grand Theft Auto IV location, as well as, I think, the original game. That's a bummer. One of my big issues, I never actually finished five. I played a couple hours of it and never touched it again. I didn't like the characters. I didn't enjoy the story. Um, I'm really excited about six. Vice City is one of my favorite games of all time, and they're returning to Vice City, uh, and so I'm, I'm excited to see that, and I'm hoping that, you know, I don't want to be doing this character switching thing again, you know, and, and I think we may not be doing that, and if we do, it's just going to be between two people, and there are a couple, so that should be a better dynamic, um, but I'm curious to see what they do. Rockstar, their, their labor practices aren't great. They do lots of shady shit, <laughs> but man, they make some of the best games ever made. And like, like Red Dead Redemption 2 is, in my opinion, the best game ever made. Um, just from, you know, all of the perspectives put together, uh, you know, I still can't believe it didn't win Game of the Year in 2018. It, God of War is a very good game, and that was a really cool reboot to that series. I still don't think that game even holds a flicker of a candle to Red Dead 2. But obviously enough people disagreed, and uh, that's where that went. So, bummer for Grand Theft Auto V. I'm kind of over that. I'm ready for six, even though it's not coming until 2025. I will be very impatiently waiting for that and hoping that they at least focus on the single player at all this time and don't go full hog into the online because I cannot care less about that. The other story that I felt like talking about was that Star Citizen every year has a new ship pack that you can buy. And this year, the one they have is $48,000. Um, you know, part of the Starfield discourse that bothers me the most is how many of the people, I did that video a couple weeks ago that 
was one of my better performing videos ever and had like 300 comments on it and like 50 of those comments were people being like oh if you want to play a real starfield play star citizen it's like bro no <laughs> i'm not gonna play a game that's been that was in that's been in development way longer than starfield had probably had three times the budget if not more and still isn't out and probably will never be out in the condition that they once said it would be so good for starfield or star citizen god i hate the names being that close um obviously this bundle is for the whales and the people who have that 50 grand to just drop on pixels but just the fact that it exists to me suggests a company and game community culture that is like sick that is like has the flu um, because any good in my opinion gaming community shouldn't be okay with the studio doing that that's weird that's gross and and if people get into the comments and will actually i don't care i don't care why it's actually a good deal i don't care it's weird that's stupid for a game that's raised more money than most games ever even imagine as a budget no leave it on the on your text you know type it out say well actually bond diesel it's a really good deal because you get the quadrant four super starship destroyer uh and you can't get that anywhere else and it's going to be the best ship in the game type that out then delete it and then find one of the really important files in the windows folder delete it never start your computer again that one's for you moving on to listener questions if you have your own questions be sure to ask in my discord in the youtube comments or hit me up on twitter at bond diesel or at the bonfire master prime old reliable has three questions for me this week first your favorite podcast episode of this year I racked my brain on this. I went through my analytics. I went back and looked at them. I think my favorite ones were after, or my favorite one was after um, all of the shows this summer, the Keeley three or whatever you want to call it, uh, where I got to talk about all of that stuff. Some things that were surprising, things that were awesome, things that weren't great. Um, I think that that was just such an electric time. Um, the podcast has been fairly stagnant listener wise. Uh, I very much appreciate you if you're listening to it. That's not a hit on you. I just need to figure out how to market this podcast better, I think. Um, and taking into account that it's a gaming news podcast, which is super common. And it's a solo show, which a lot of people don't like. Anyways, I, I think those, I think the shows after the Game Awards, after the E3 time after big showcases are my favorite ones. So I can't really pick one, but I would say any of those. And then obviously anything after like the division or mass effect news drops, which are games I still particularly enjoy talking about. That's obviously, you know, a, a highlight for me as well. Um, hidden gem of the year uh, for a game for me was planet of Lana. Um, the gameplay isn't anything that new or spectacular, it was just so fun and it was so sweet especially towards the end of the game there's some storytelling it's that's all done environmentally or through like suggestion or showing new things that's just really 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 cool and kind of heartbreaking and just 
very, very nice. That, that game is a very nice experience. It's a fairly short game, and it just made me feel good at the end. And uh, that's why it's my hidden gem of the year. Uh, and then what game would you actually like to see come out in 2024? So games that we don't aren't under the impression they'll come out next year. I would say uh, let's go with uh, the Exodus game, the archetype entertainment game. People in my community and my discord have been going nuts about this game. Um, you know, they've really been doing their own marketing push. So it seems like maybe they're further along in that game than I initially kind of anticipated. Uh, let's see Exodus come out next year. I would like to have a mass effect light come out or something that's doing something totally different. In a recent video, they talked about how interstellar was a big inspiration for them with the time dilation. Obviously it makes sense. Um, that's one of my favorite movies ever. So I'm into that. I want that. Um, I have some questions about that game in general. I've seen some stuff that seems kind of weird, but that's my pessimism probably coming out. Um, I'm really excited to see what they're doing with that game, especially with the people who are making it. Um, in, in, in a game that ambitious, I'm really curious to how they handle those ambitions as their first game as a studio. Luckily, they're owned by some really rich companies, so they should have a good budget, even though those companies just had some layoffs. Archetype Entertainment seems to have been unaffected, which is amazing. Um, I, I think the game that I most want to see come out in 2024 at this point that I don't already think is, is probably Exodus. Um, mostly because that game could come out next year or it could come out in four years. The, I think the things they're saying imply it's further along than we may realize. But nowadays, you just never take that for granted. You, uh, you, you, you just you take what you can get at this point. Master Prime, thank you so much for the questions. If you have your own, again, hit me up in the Discord, in my form. I'll post it on Twitter, uh, anywhere you can find me. You can ask me questions or present topics for the podcast. And that's it. That's it for the bonfire in 2023. The next episode will be in 2024. We'll be, you know, maybe talking about some news, maybe getting in a little deeper on some 2024 topics. And uh, I'll talk about what I've been playing more next time. Uh, thank you so much for listening to this episode. You are the reason this podcast exists. Uh, let me know if you have any feedback or thoughts on the show. If you uh, want to find me, I am Bond Diesel all over the place, uh, including over on Twitch. Uh, you can support this podcast and my other content at patreon.com slash Bond Diesel. You can join as a YouTube member. Subscribe over at Twitch with that free Prime sub. Or check out my merch and other links in the Linktree link in the description of the podcast or the YouTube video. That is all I have. So until next time.